Without a plan for our time, we will look back at the end of our life, wondering, what did I do with my life? This is the seventh message in the series, Smart Living. The message is entitled, Manage Your Resources, Part Two. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. And I wanna continue to talk this weekend about managing the resources of your life. How do you and I manage our resources? What are our resources and how do we manage them? In this series, we are talking about what it means to be smart from God's perspective. And of course, the Bible uses a different word when it refers to smartness. We think of smartness in terms of IQ, but the Bible thinks of smartness in terms of another word, and that word is wisdom. Do you have wisdom in your life? Are you living a life of wisdom? And in this series, together, we're looking at the book of Proverbs primarily, because the book of Proverbs is a part of the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. It is a book specifically designed to give us wisdom principles. It was written by King Solomon in response to a prayer that he prayed to God asking for wisdom, and God poured out wisdom upon Solomon, and much of that wisdom is recorded in the 31 chapters of this incredible book that we're really encouraging you to take time and read through on a regular basis. We have a reading guide for you at church-redeemer.org slash Proverbs, or you can simply uh, take the pathway that I take in terms of reading Proverbs. I read one, generally read one chapter of the book of Proverbs uh, every day uh, based upon the day of the month, and because there are 31 chapters in the book, you can go through that book Uh, and uh, about about eight to ten times at least every year and just take the day of the month and read the chapter that corresponds with it. The 5th of June would give you the 5th chapter of Proverbs and just read through the book that way. But but make sure you're getting the wisdom of God into your life and Proverbs is a great great way to do that. Now a key part of wisdom, if you're going to be smart, as the Bible defines it, is, is you've got to be a better manager. Managers are people who are wise. It's wise to be a good manager in your life because what you manage well is sustained and oftentimes what you manage well increases. What you don't manage well dissipates or disappears from your life. And so all of us, it behooves all of us to become better managers. And the book of Proverbs, as well as much of Scripture, teaches us the importance of stewarding our life that God has given us certain things in life that are called resources. We're given time and treasure and talents, and those are gifts that have been given to us by God. I'm going to focus on one of those today. Last weekend, we talked about the financial realm of life and how we're called to steward well or to manage well those areas because that's how your life is sustained, and that's how your life increases. You can't always just sit back passively and pray for God to bless you. God blesses people who do certain things in their life. And so we have a responsibility on our part to be engaged in proper management of our life. You can't not manage your financial budget and expect to be on top of things financially. No, God will help you in the journey, but you have to learn how to manage things as well. And it's true for another area of our life that I want to talk to us about today. I want to talk to us about learning to manage this very important resource that every one of us have, and we have the same amount of, and that's called time. We could not say that all of us have the same amount of financial resources that differs according to your means, your experience, your financial status in life, and that certainly is not an equal footing for everyone, but when it comes to time, we are all on an equal footing. Everybody has the same amount of time 
every week. Every week, God allows us to experience 168 hours. Same for you, same for anyone, no matter how important they are or how uh, insignificant they may feel. Uh, your life, you have been given 168 hours every week that you live, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And of course, we realize that's something that we have to learn to manage well. And the Bible, the book of Proverbs, talks about what we do with this resource called time. How do we handle it? And take a look at Proverbs 12, verse 11. Hard work means prosperity. And then notice the rest of it. It says, only fools do what? Idle away their time, because time is a resource. Let's look at this from the, today's English version. Same verse. A hardworking farmer has plenty to eat, but it's stupid. Do you know that word was in the Bible, did you? But it's stupid to waste time on useless projects, on things that really are not going to get you anywhere. So it's useless. It's today's English version. Let's look at another uh, verse from a couple of uh, translations or paraphrases. Proverbs 25, verse 28. A person without self-control or the ability to rule oneself. That's the idea of self-control. You're ruling yourself. A person without self-control is as defenseless as a city with broken down walls. If you don't know how to rule the things, the resources of your life to self-control rather than having others having to, to, to control you, then you're going to live life in a defenseless way. There'll be all kind of robbers that will break into your life and steal stuff away from your life existence. Looking at this from the message paraphrase, it says a person without self-control is like a house with its doors and windows knocked out. Think about this. If you can't control how you utilize the resources of your life, it's like living in a house with no doors or no windows at all. You'd be very vulnerable, right? Vulnerable to all kind of events and attacks and things that would come your way because you're living without protection. And so managing well our time is one of the ways that we actually protect our lives. So I want to talk to you today about four things that will help you to become a better time manager. How do you and I manage our time well? And the first thing that we must realize is that we have to value, this is where it starts, we have to value what the Bible refers to as the gift of time. Life consists of time. It's impossible to make the most of your life without making the most of your time. If you're not making the most of your time, you're actually not making the most of your life because your life indeed is your time. And the Bible teaches us that time is a gift from God. None of us know how much time that we have or will have on earth. But every moment that we live, every time we take a breath, every minute that passes on our clock, it's a gift that God has given to us. And the amazing thing about this gift that God gives to us, he gives us directions related to how to use it well, but he leaves it up to us as to what we're going to do. You have the freedom, as do I, have the freedom to use your time any way you want to. As a grown-up adult, you get to make choices as to what you will do with your time. You can wake up in the morning and you can make a decision, I'm not going to work today. Now, there will be consequences, but you're free to make that decision. You, have the, you can make any decision that you want to make as a free adult given within certain parameters, realizing there are consequences that go along with them related to your time. But what, what we must realize is that while we can do that here on earth, because time is a gift 
from God, there will be one day that you and I will stand before God and we will give an account to God for the choices we made, the free choices we made in regard to our time. Did we value it or did we squander it? And we will, just a quick reminder today, that we will stand before God and any gift that God has given you in your life, you will give an account to God related to, as will I, what did we do with the gift that was given to us? And that includes the gift of 168 hours each week, 24 hours each day, 60 seconds in every minute. God will hold us accountable for what we did with that time. And so to value time, we need to understand God's perspective of time, right? Because who are we going to answer to about our time? God. So if we're going to answer to God about our time, I think it's probably wise that if we understand God's perspective of time, right? Okay. Now, a few months ago, I talked about time in uh, and, and one of my messages, and I, I gave you two words from the uh, Greek language that's, that are found in the New Testament related to time. I gave you the word chronos and the word kairos. Anybody remember that message? A few of you do. And I talked about the, the differences in those words as used in the original Greek language. Just as a quick reminder, the Old Testament came to us originally in Hebrew. It's translated into multiple languages. Many of the languages, uh, translations we have today are translations, obviously, from the original Hebrew Old Testament. And the Greek was written primarily in, uh, in, 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 in uh, the New Testament was primarily written in Greek. And so it's sometimes helpful to go back and understand some of the original words and the original languages because we don't always have the same word in the English language to define the Greek or Hebrew terms. And so in the New Testament, uh, we find the word time translated from these two words, chronos and kairos. Now, chronos is a word you probably recognize. You've probably heard the term chronology before. It's what you're talking about when you ask someone, what time is it? What time is it? Says, okay, what does it say on your, on your watch? Or what time is it in the sense of the day of the month or the year that it is? It is a chronological moment in time that is measured in units. That's what chronology is, something that is measured in units. Kairos is a different kind of time. Kairos describes the opportunities or the events that are encompassed in the moment. For example, if I ask you what time it is, that's chronos. If I ask you, did you have a good time? I'm asking you not, tell me what the time on your watch said when you were there. I'm asking you about your experience. What kind of opportunity or experience did you have in that moment of time? And so primarily when the Bible speaks of time, it leans toward the kairos of time more than the chronos of time. Because back in biblical days, they didn't have watches and they didn't have clocks. They, they used the sun primarily to define their days. And so they spoke of days in terms of sunrise and midday and sunset. And they lived a lot slower pace and they weren't as concerned with the days on the calendar, perhaps as we are in our culture today. And so they were very oriented toward the kairos. What experience did you have in life? And so when it comes to God, God is looking at time from the standpoint of what you do with it. Okay. 
What time are you having with your life? Not the chronology of your time, but what are the experiences that you're hap- are happening as a part of your life? What are you doing with your time? Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. This is a continuation of some of Solomon's wisdom. It's the book that follows the book of Proverbs. And so we jumped over there just for a moment. And, and Solomon says, inspired by the Spirit, for everything there is a season. For everything, there is a season, a time, an opportunity, not a, not a moment on the clock necessarily, but an opportunity for every activity under heaven. Please notice the concept of season, time here, because time as we experience it has to do with the seasons of your life. Your life has seasons, and seasons provide opportunities. When you're a young person, you have the season called education. You go to school. And depending on what you do in that season of your life will often determine how successful you are in your future. Did you study well? Did you work hard in that season, in that time of your life? When you first start your career in your life, it's a new season. You're learning how to do and be your, that professional person or, or a person that you're engaging in, in, your, in your occupation. And so it's a season. It's setting the pattern for your life. When you get married, it's a new season. Anybody say amen to that, right? Okay. When you start having kids, it's a really new season, right? Okay. I mean, your life completely changes. And so in every season, there are opportunities that will only happen in that season. Just the other day, I was thinking about our grandchildren. We have seven grandchildren, and, uh, and I still tend to think of them as little bitty guys, and, and I just was just reminded of the, uh, the other day that my oldest grandson, Elijah, is turning 16 this year. He's talking about driving a car, and I'm still envisioning him crawling around under my desk in the office as a little bitty guy. He's not that little guy anymore. That season has gone. It passes us by, and in the seasons come on opportunities that you can't get again. Amen? So that's why we often talk about living in your season. And that's where a lot of people always mess it up. They always are waiting for the next season. I can't wait until. I can't wait until I grow up. I can't wait until I get married. I can't wait until I blah, 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 blah. It's always the I can't wait until. And they never live in the season that they are right now. You, the only season you have is the season you're in right now. Amen? This is the only season you have. You don't have another season. You're not even promised another season. So this is your season. This is your moment. So value the gift of time. It's a gift from God to you and me. Never take it for granted. It is a wonderful blessing from Almighty God. Number two. When it comes to managing your time well, you and I need to make some critical decisions. I'm going to talk to you about three critical decisions that you have to make if you're going to manage your time well. Number one, first critical decision you have to do is you've got to discover. You've got to make a decision. I'm going to discover my life purpose. Why am I here? You will never manage your time well unless you know why you're here. Because purpose defines how you are to spend your time. 
And your time needs to be dedicated to your purpose. And if you don't understand your purpose, it would be just like an archer shooting an arrow, not knowing where the target is, just sort of shooting somewhere aimlessly. And there are a lot of people living their lives that way. They have no idea what their purpose is. They're just sort of living here and shooting this way and then shooting off this way and shooting somewhere else because they have no sense of why God put them here. Do you know that you're on planet Earth because God put you here. Your, your life is a gift from Almighty God. The, the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1 says that before God spoke to Jeremiah and said, before I shaped you in your mother's womb, I had some plans for you. Okay? That's Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5. And it does not only apply to Jeremiah, it applies to you. That when you were being shaped in your mother's womb... God had a plan for your life. You may feel very insignificant, but you are not insignificant to Almighty God. You were on this planet, planet for a reason. And the question of my life purpose cannot be answered apart from God. To know my life purpose, I need to know God who gives me my life purpose. I need to remain in fellowship with God who will define for me and direct me into my life purpose. So time is valuable when you have a purpose. You're investing it in the right way. Now, how do you know your purpose? A lot of people struggle with this. I've struggled with it at times. It's just real in our lives to try, what am I here for? And what's the purpose of my life? And so I'm going to quickly take you on a side journey. These are not on your notes today, and this is completely free of charge. I'm not even going to charge you for this, all right? So here we go. This is extra, and it doesn't come from me. Uh, this is, was originally uh, d developed by a tremendous pastor by the name of Rick Warren. And if you've never read his book, The, the Purpose Driven Life, I would highly recommend you to read that book, The Purpose Driven Life, I think is one of the best books to help you to understand something about you and why God put you on the planet. And so he uses an illustration or uses actually an acronym to help people understand their life purpose. So this is not for me. This is from Rick Warren. I'm just passing it along to you. I'm just the conduit today. All right? He reminds us that God has shaped every one of us for a purpose. I'm going to use this word. He uses this word shape in an acronym. And there are five things that you have in your life that will guide you to your purpose. Number one, your spiritual gifts. What are your spiritual gifts? A spiritual gift is something you receive when you're born again. When you come into the family of God, God gifts you with some spiritual capacities to be a blessing in his church and his body. And so we discover our spiritual gifts by looking at being aware of where we're fruitful that's how you know. You don't have to somehow get some massive revelation in your life as to what your spiritual gift is. Just watch and see where God seems to bless you and what you seem to enjoy doing. Some people have this spiritual gift of encouragement. They're just amazing encouragers, and they just seem to find themselves in encouraging situations all the time, and God uses them in that incredible way. That's their spiritual gift. It defines part of their purpose. Some people just love to pray. Man, they're prayer warriors, and it seems as though every time these folks pray or most of the time they pray, man, do they ever get answers? You want to surround yourself with some spiritual prayer warriors. 
Because those kind of people have a gift, a spiritual gift of praying for people. And we could go on uh, to talk about all the different... Some, some people have the gift of giving because God has blessed them financially. And so they help resource the work of the kingdom. It's a spiritual gift. It's not just a financial ability. But they're all kind of spiritual gifts that God gives us. I don't have time to go into all the list of them today. But the question is, where does my life bear fruit? What, where, what do I do that seems to have the smile of God upon it. it seems to have the fingerprint of God upon it when I do it. The H stands for heart. Everyone has a heart for certain things. You have a passion about stuff, stuff that really sort of turns your crank. It gets you going, and you really enjoy it, something that, that, is, that positively motivates your life as a part of your interest, a part of your hopes, a part of your dreams. It's where your heart is. It's what you love to do and you care most about doing. Helps you define your purpose. Why am I here? Well, your heart will tell you a lot about that. And then A stands for abilities. Everybody has a certain set of abilities. You were born with them. This is not a spiritual gift. It's your natural gift. You just naturally have the ability to do certain things that maybe other people cannot do quite as well as you can. And so God wants to use and capitalize on the abilities he's given you. He doesn't just remove those from you. He, he shaped you in your mother's womb with the abilities that you have. And whatever gifts or abilities that you have in your life were gifts given to you and abilities given to you by God. The P stands for, and everyone has one of these, a personality. The personality is who you are as a person, just your uniqueness. And all of us are complex, and even the psalmist said, Lord, you've made me wonderfully complex in Psalm 139. Everybody's a little bit weird, a little bit strange, a little bit different. We all have unique personalities, and some things that are fun for, uh, for, for some people are not so much fun for us. A classic division of personalities would be between the introvert and the extrovert. The ultimate side of the introvert, I mean, they don't want very much social interaction at all. They peek out the window to go get the mail to make sure the mailman's not there, okay, because they don't want to have to talk to the mailman, okay, and they're the one that goes up in the closet and they hide when someone knocks on the door, okay, because they're the introvert, and that's just who you are, and so you have to work around that issue. Some of the extrovert, they can't wait to be around people. Man, they're just looking for a party, and if there's not a party, they make one happen. They're always making a party, okay? Now, those are two extremes, but somewhere in between those two are probably where you are, and there are a lot of other personality traits that are make, make you unique. And you know what? That's what makes the world go around. Amen? Think about how bad the world would be if everybody was like you. Okay? <laughs> but it's the dimension of personality that provides color and blessing and diversity and strength to our world and uniqueness. And it's also the multiplicities of personalities that challenge us to grow. I need a few extroverts in my life to sometimes pull me out of my introvert nature. How about you, right? And sometimes the introverts need some extroverts to make them shut up, okay? Right? Just shut up, okay? Right? But we have personalities and we all have to realize, what is my personality? Because God gave you a personality. It needs to be shaped and fashioned in the likeness of Christ. But nevertheless, you and I have personalities. And then the last thing he mentions is we have experiences in life. 
And your experiences help you to understand your purpose. Your experiences are things that have happened to you. Some of you have, some, have had some very tough things happen to you. Well, here's the beautiful thing with God. God can take the toughest, toughest things of your life and transform them into something that can be used to be a blessing to someone else who's going through a tough time. Some of you have gone through some major messes in your life. Let me remind you, God takes messes, messes and turns them into messages through your life, okay? And so you have to realize that even the experiences, the, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly of my life, God can even take those and it becomes a part of the tapestry of God's purpose for my life. But you will never spend your time wisely unless you discover what? Your life purpose. Why am I here? Ask God to help you to understand why you're here. You can make many plans, Proverbs 19 says, but the Lord's purpose will do what? The Lord's purpose will prevail. That word prevail in the original language means to rise up. When you discover your purpose or the Lord's purpose for your life, it causes you to rise to a new level of living. Here's the second critical decision you need to make. You need to learn to live by, make a decision to live by God's precepts, principles, and promises. I'm not going to spend much time there. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. But once you discover God's purpose for your life, to, to fulfill that purpose, you need to follow God's rules, okay? So God has some rules. He has some precepts, some commands. He has some principles that he wants you to live by. And he also has some promises that he wants to give you. And as you discover the precepts, the principles, and the promises of God's word, then you begin to move toward that purpose that God has called you to. That's why we find these words in Proverbs 4. My son, if you will take the time to stop and listen to... Who's the me? It's God. And embrace what? I say you will live a long and happy life full of understanding, full of understanding in every way. Understanding gives you purpose, gives you direction, helps you to use your time wisely. And the third decision you need to make is to choose your values very, very carefully. What is a value? A value is what you deem as valuable. If you think about it from a natural standpoint, your values are, your valuables are oftentimes the things that you buy insurance policies for, okay? Okay? And so because these are valuable, you want to make sure they're insured, you put them in safes, you do put them in safe deposit boxes, you do these kind of things because they're valuable, you don't want to lose them. The same is true for your life. What is valuable in your life? And so your time needs to be given to the things that are really valuable. And so you need to choose your values very, very carefully. Because if you choose the wrong set of values, you will give your time to things that really, in the end, are not valuable at all. Think about it this way. Let's say that you are climbing a ladder and that ladder was heading to the roof of a building and someone told you everything you want is at the top of that building. All you need to do is climb the ladder. And so you invested all your time and all your energy climbing that ladder as furiously as you possibly could to get to the top. And you finally get to the rooftop and you discover that what was, you were told was there was not there at all. And you'd wasted all that time climbing the wrong ladder to get something you thought would be there would be valuable and it wasn't there at all. That's how a lot of people are living their lives. They're furiously climbing a ladder 
thinking that's what I really want in life. If I can just get there, then I'll be happy. But they climb and climb and climb, and sometimes they get there and discover that there is not really there. And they realize that they invested their time and their energy in something that they didn't carefully think about. The best values in life are the values related to God and His Word. There's nothing, because as we said a few moments ago, God will never fail you, okay? His values are true eternal values. Don't weary yourself trying to get rich or, or trying to pursue anything else other than God. Why what? Why what? Why What's this word right here? What do we do with waste? It's what we throw away. That's all waste is. Waste is what is, dis- is discarded, okay? Why just discard or throw away your time? Let's go to our third point today. I need to move on quickly here. <clears throat> the third thing that's necessary, big principle today, is you have to, you have to target the thieves of time. There's some thieves that will steal your time from you. And the number one thief that will steal your time from you is the devil. I'll show you why. Because the devil wants to ruin your life. Don't you ever think anything different. The devil wants to ruin your life. That's, all he, that's his agenda. Jesus told us about it in John 10, verse 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. So the devil is a thief. Okay, He wants to steal your life from you. To steal your life... All he needs to do is steal your time. Because your time is your life, right? You all with me today? Okay, everybody still here? Okay. So if the devil can cause your, t- your time to be frittered away on, in useless manner, in a useless manner, then what he's done, he succeeded at keeping you from fulfilling the purpose that God puts you on the planet for. He's thwarted your purpose. He's gotten you off track And so now that you're off track, you're not doing the very thing that God puts you here to do. And so, hey, he's he's neutralized you, okay? And so the way the enemy can neutralize you, all he has to do is mess with your time, okay? And how you use, if he can mess with your time, then he can mess with you, okay? He can mess with your purpose. Can I get a little amen right there, okay? Come on, I need some help this morning, all right? I'm preaching hard up here. I'm giving you a really good message, so help me out, okay? So I'm going to talk to you about some thieves. How do you overcome some thieves of time? Number one, you've got to obey God. Okay, That's where it all starts. Why? Because when you disobey God, you waste time. Every time you disobey God, you waste time. We all know that, right? How many times have you done something the wrong way? Then you've got to spend all that time fixing it and getting back on track again because you just didn't do what you were supposed to do the first time. And so it's always wiser to obey God. It will save you a lot of time. Number two, improve your judgment. Get better at making judgments about where you're going to spend your time. See, God gave you a brain. He gave it to you for a reason. He gave it to you to make judgments, okay? And the ability to look at things and make some decisions about things. You size up a situation, say, you know, this is the right thing to do. I need to invest some time here. No, no, this is really just a waste of time. And so you use your judgment to determine, to recognize situations that 
a, a, a potential waste of time or a potential investment of time and you steer clear of those things that are waste of time for you and you focus in on those things that, that are good for you and head you towards your values. But you've you got to use your judgment. You've got to develop your judgment, your ability to, before you just react to everything and just do everything that happens around you, let the world control you, you need to take control of what you're going to spend your time doing and that involves some judgment. Here's the third thing. If you want to use your time well, you got to grow up. Why? Because people who are emotionally and spiritually immature are continually influenced by how they feel. And so uh, by being influenced by how they feel, they spend a lot of time and a lot of energy and drama. Life becomes one big Broadway show for them, okay? And so they've got the drama of being angry about this and being upset about that and being afraid of this and being bitter about that. And, and it's just an ongoing drama of something in their life. And so uh, they, they, because they haven't learned to process things well, they also tend to be very impetuous in their decision-making processes. They just do what they feel in the moment. They don't really think about what they're doing. And so out of that impetuosity of life, they end up wasting days and months and years. I've seen couples waste entire weeks and Sometimes even longer, just fighting with each other over the most insignificant things. Okay? Little bitty petty things because they wouldn't get over it. They wasted a week or a month or a year or sometimes a decade of their life missing out on things because they just would not grow up. You always benefit when you become more mature always benefit when you come, become more mature. The next thing is you got to stay inspired. Whose responsibility is it to keep you inspired? That's a very important question. You got to answer that question. I had, I've had to answer it for my life. Whose responsibility is it to keep me inspired? Because here's the deal. Most of us spend a lot of our time hoping someone will keep us encouraged or inspired. Oh God, bring me the person that's going to encourage me today. Oh, please, Lord, I need send them my way. And God says, would you just be quiet? Would you just make the decision to encourage yourself and go out and encourage somebody else, okay? Inspire somebody else along the way. And then you'll discover that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive because when you give, what you sow, you reap. And so stuff comes back to you. And so just don't worry about it. So it's your responsibility. It's my responsibility to keep myself inspired. Why is that important? Because if I lose my inspiration, I'm going to waste my time. Most people who are not using their time well is because they're not inspired by anything. They've lost inspiration. So get your inspiration. Put your inspiration on every morning. Amen? You know, David, there's a time in 1 Samuel chapter 30. Man, would I love to preach on this today, but I don't have time to because I only have 48 seconds, but we're going to go longer than that today. But... <clears throat> David, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, he had been away from his little village called Ziklag. He comes back, realizes that his whole, you can read this chapter, his whole village had been burned with fire. Everything had been taken off. His wives and sons and daughters had been removed. And the men were so frustrated. His army, they were so frustrated with him. They started talking about, let's kill David. We're going to stone him. And everybody, all of his army turned against him. He'd lost everything. He had nobody to encourage him. You know what the Bible says that David did? David encouraged himself 
in the Lord his God. And because David encouraged himself in the Lord his God, he turned everything around and he went out and he found those enemies and he routed them and he got everything back because he took the time to encourage himself in the Lord. Let me give you a quick word today. Is that okay if I take another sidetrack? I'm going to give you a little prophecy this morning. You ready for this? There's some of you, there's some things that are getting ready to come back to you. If you'll just stand up and encourage yourself in the Lord, God will revitalize you. You'll go back and get the stuff that you've lost in your life. Amen? Okay. I don't know who that's for, but that's for somebody today. That God will raise you up and strengthen you if you start encouraging yourself. And there have been things you've lost out on life, but God will give you the inspiration to go get back the things the adversary has stolen from you. And there'll be a time that those things will be back in your camp again. Amen? Very good. Okay. Focus on priorities, what's really important. Value today. You don't have any other day. Procrastination is the enemy of today. Procrastination, I'll do tomorrow what I could do today. Procrastination is one of the fastest ways to lose your destination. Okay, so procrastination, you got to work on that. Next one is you need to work before you play. Most of us want to play before we work. No, work before you play. Play is okay as long as you did this first. Okay, you got to work before you, you earn the right to play by work. Kids, when you come home, do your homework first, then you can play, okay? Uh, but whatever it is, it's important priority that you want to shift off somewhere else, procrastinating it. No, work first and then play and then exchange amusement for recreation. I don't have time to talk much about this one today, but our, our world today is addicted to amusement. Amusement is, is mind-numbing, okay? It's just anything that you engage in that you just completely numb out on. Now, there are occasional moments that there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm talking about an addiction to just being amused where you go into sort of a zombie-like state and you're not, I mean, you're not paying attention. You're, you're mindless in, in, in your activity. There's a difference between amusement and recreation. Find something in your life that is recreational, okay? Let me show you why this is important. Because amusement numbs you. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on this, but how many of you sat before a television and then suddenly you realize you'd been there for three hours, okay? Wow, it was 7 o'clock when I sat down. It's 10 o'clock now? What did I watch? I don't even know what I watched, okay? What was it about? I have no idea, okay? But you went into amusement. And so for three hours of your life, you might as well have been in a coma, okay? <laughs> right? Okay. Next time, just go check yourself into the hospital for three hours. And it's like, you... But recreation is different because recreation, the root concept of recreation, two words... What are those two words? Re... Again, create again. Okay. So when you find something that is recreational for you, it's something that creates fresh energy for you. It's not draining energy from you. It's creating fresh energy for you. And all of us have different things that, that recreate us. Hobbies, 
activities that, but not just that amuse us, but activities that bring a fresh creation so that after we've done them, we feel revitalized in our life. Let me go to my last final point today. I'm going to cover this one pretty quickly, but you've got to develop a what? A time management. What's the last word there? Time management plan. If you want more money, you have to manage the money that you have, correct? If you want more time, I wish I had more time. How many times have I said that? How many times have you said that? I wish I had more time. Well, if I want more time, if I want more money, I manage my money well. If I want more help, I manage my help well. If I want more time, what must I do? I've got to manage my time well, which means that I need a plan. Okay? And this is where a lot of people miss it. They never put a time plan together. As I mentioned earlier, we all have 168 hours every week. Do you know how you're spending? You'll be amazed if you just do an analysis of where you're spending your time. Just, I just challenge you to do that. Just take, take a couple of weeks and just look at the 168 hours and just really look at, honestly, this is not going to help you unless you're honest, okay? You'll be amazed at how much time you spend fiddling with your phone. Oh, I just stepped into meddling right there, didn't I? Oh, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I didn't mean to say that, okay? How much time you spent, fill in the blank, okay? You'll be amazed if you're honest with yourself how much time you spent on those different things. And so just do an analysis and then say, is this really how I want to do it? It's called creating a, not only a plan, part of your plan is creating a, think of your time like a resource. Every week God gives you 168 hours. Okay. If I gave you or someone gave you 168 hours, dollars, $168,000 every week, you would need a plan as to what you would do with it, right? Okay. On the same way, God gives you 168 hours a week, and he says, okay, now create the plan as to what you're going to do with it. Take a look at this verse of Scripture. Ask the Lord to do what? To bless whose plans? I'm going to come back to that in a moment. And you will be successful in carrying them out. Proverbs 21, 5. Careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you further behind. So again, the concept here is planning. Let me go back to this verse just for a moment, though. Ask the Lord to bless whose plans? That includes the plans that you have for your time. Okay, plan your time. What's my time budget look like? How am I going to just start every Sunday or every Sunday night or Monday morning and say, how am I going to spend my time this week? Let me see if I can take a look and I create a schedule based upon my priorities for that week, okay? And I create a plan, and then I ask the Lord to bless my plan, okay? What does it say there? Read it with me again. It's okay if you stay in church a little longer. It's not going to hurt you, I promise you, okay? (laughs) Ask the Lord to bless your plans. Whose plans are they? And you will be successful in carrying them out. So remember this. God can't bless a plan unless you make one. Okay? 
You got to have a plan before God can bless it, right? Now, I'll give you something else about God. You also need to keep it loose because God can change it, too. Okay? You got to let Him change your plans, okay? You got to be willing to let Him change your plans. But at least give Him something to start with, give Him something to work with, okay? Say, God, this is what I'm thinking about for this week. I'm laying out this time, the time for, this is my family, it's my work time. This is the time I'm going to study. This is my recreational time. And lay it out for the week as clearly and as, as, as wisely as you can. Then, Lord, I'm asking you to bless my plans. I'm asking you to guide me and let your hand be upon the plans of my week. Would that not be a far more proactive way to live your life? Would it? Okay. Rather than a reactive way to live your life. And so make the choice to make a plan and ask the Lord to bless it. Okay, I'm done for the day. The time has come to a conclusion, okay? This season just ended, okay? Pray with me. Father, we thank you that your word is so very clear on so many areas of life. There's not a single area that you don't address. And Lord, I pray for each one of us, Lord, we've all messed up when it comes to the way we use our time. So often we, we fritter it away. We just, we're not focused like we need to be on the things we need to focus on. Lord, we're sorry for that. We ask you to help us, Lord, to, to get better at this because we know that our time is our life. Help us to use it wisely for your glory. Father, I also pray for anyone here today who perhaps has never given their life to Jesus. I pray that this would be their day to receive you as Lord of their life. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me, and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray, and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God, and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus... I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.